Here we are. It's game time. As we say, from the locker room, I've got NFL three-time coach of the year, Mike, Mike Smith, with me. And we clearly have a uh, really distinguished guest with us to talk something that's a little bit different. And, you know, that's uh, golf. You wouldn't think of golf as a, as a sport with uh, teamwork. But um, Mike Holbert, former PGA you know, player, I think he probably made more cuts than just about anybody, won three times on the tour. But I think uh, one of those guys that is really so well thought of in, 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 on the PGA ranks and glad to have him here. So, um, Coach Smith, uh, why don't you uh, get this thing going and, you know, talk to Mike a little bit about, you know, his career and, of course, you know, his three – uh, appearances as one of the assistant captains of the Ryder Cup. So I think a lot of great things can come out of this discussion. Oh, I'm looking forward to talking with Mike. Mike, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Coach. Yeah, well, thank you for joining us today. And, uh, you know, everybody thinks of golf as a uh, individual sport, uh, you know, but there are times during the season and through, you know, throughout the, you know, throughout periods of uh, two or three years, golf becomes a team game. And uh, I think that's a real interesting dynamic from a, you know, from a coaching point. And I know that you've uh, been involved in three of them. Tell me a little bit and tell the listeners a little bit about uh, the different dynamic that you have going from competing against your teammates to win, to now have to come together and form a team and put together a game plan to win the Ryder Cup. Well, that, it, it is very interesting, uh, Coach, and um, and we only get to do it, uh, you know, as far as a, a Ryder Cup standpoint, every two years. And then um, every year there's a President's Cup. I mean, every other year it's a President's Cup. So we only have one team event per year. And to me, that's not quite enough. Um, but it's, as you everybody knows, it's uh, it's turned out to be a huge, huge deal, a big deal. Um, people say that the Europeans, you know, they're into it more than we are. That's not the case. I mean, I've been in the locker room. I've been with these guys three different occasions. I mean, they are flat into it. The hardest thing from our standpoint being not that I've been a, uh, a captain, but the assistant captain is, uh, you know, we've got 12 of the top players in the world playing on our team. I mean, most of them are in the top 25. So numbers-wise, it always looks like we should beat the crap out of them. But that's not the case. Um, you know, we are playing golf, and, you know, we're as hungry as they are. But the hardest part is pairing these guys together. Um, you know, you, you just – everybody respects each other's game so well that you're almost afraid to, like, you know, if, if go ask them, you know, what this putt's going to do. I mean – Going back in time, I mean, if I was paired with Tiger Woods, I'd ask him every single time to come and read a putt or help me read a putt. But sometimes they have so much respect for each other. But getting back to that situation, and, and I think we'll turn things around here. We haven't done very well here in the last 10 or 12 years. Um, I, I'm not going to tell you what my record is with the, the three teams, but it's not good. Um, but um, – that's the best time. Those, those weeks are the best time of my career for sure. And I mean, I was honored the very first one I did with Curtis strange in Oh one, I was the only assistant 
to me, that's still my highlight of my my career is getting picked as an assistant captain, the only assistant captain on that 01 team. Yeah, Mike, I've got another question for you. You know, you, you said uh, in the locker room, you know, in, in a golf locker room is a little bit different than maybe a basketball locker room or a, or a football locker room right. in, in some senses. But, uh, you know, when you, when you put the team together, are you getting feedback from the players or is it something that you and the, and the as an as an assistant captain and the captain are going to make make that decision, or is it is it more an open uh, communication between the players and the coaches? Well, I think it's prior to that we we have a lot of communication with the players. I mean, it's almost like we send out a questionnaire, you know, months or a month or two months in advance, you know, to the respect like. Who would you like to play with or who wouldn't you like to play with? And for the most part, you're going to know the answers. I mean, everybody's pretty much, you know, like a chameleon. They'll play with anybody because it's the best. But but you never try to figure out. Um, that's the stuff you try to figure out, you know, as you go along. But there is some communication, but it's usually prior to that or even on the, fl the flight over or – you know, and dinners before, but once the, once the event starts be, before practice, even during a little bit of practice, uh, the guys have a pretty good idea. You know, we won't bounce too many things off their head. It, it's pretty much uh, the captain's and the assistant captain's choice, but we're not going to leave them in the dark. Yeah. Well, I know as, you know, as a head coach of a football team and you got 53 guys, you got to make sure that you have that open communication and sounds like you guys kind of do the do the same thing uh the other thing that's i think is different is really the game that you're playing even though at the core it's the same isn't there some strategy in terms of who you put together when you have them go out is that probably on the coaching side of it you know it, it always interests me uh watching coaches even in different sports how they're handling things but do you make decisions based on what happened uh, in an earlier round or, you know, do you want to match guys up? Do you, how do you do that? Yeah, you, you definitely do. You, you check out, you know, each other's games, um, especially when it comes to uh, alternate shot or, uh, uh, um, or versus best ball, um, you know, um, so, you know, let's example, I mean, do you want a, you know, alternate shot? You want, you don't want two bombers, the guys that maybe hit it, not so much in the fairways. Um, you, you might want a, a steadier, you know, like a Webb Simpson and a, I'm just throwing out names, a Webb Simpson and a Zach Johnson kind of playing together alternate shot wise. I mean, I can, but, you know, you usually go ahead and you, you do that and you do that prior um, you know, everybody's going to be on, at the top of their game, you know, leading into it or it, that week. But in the same respect, I mean, just thinking what happened a week ago. I mean, gosh darn it, if I was uh, uh, Captain Stricker, who's going to be, you know, at Whistling Straits here this coming uh, in 21 in the fall, I would put Bryson with Dustin Johnson and just send him out there. It's, it's like opening the barn doors and let the horse go, the horses go and just let them go. And um, I would do that, even though it doesn't look good on paper, but you know, that, that could be like the ultimate 
pairing and, and, you know, just let them play four out of five or let them play all five matches. Um, but there definitely is some strategy involved there. Yeah. Doc, Mike, let me ask ahead. you a question. So Mike, you know, here you are, you know, you've got 12 guys and I guess you have eight playing in the first two days. Is that right? Correct. That's correct. So, is it typical if a guy doesn't get to play, is he kind of down and do you need to really work with them to kind of assuage their ego or um, do most of those guys accept it or is just you don't know exactly what you're going to get when you more or less don't put them out there to play? You know, that's very tricky. That's a very, very good question. And, um, it's hard. That's the hardest thing for the captain and the assistants. Captain especially, because he's the guy, is only eight guys play on uh, Friday, Saturday, and four guys sit out. And you could be setting out a top 10 guy in the world and somebody that's won multiple times on tour. That's the hardest thing. Now, do I think uh, it's easier when you've got rookies or younger guys that that make the team, it's, to me, it's easier for them. They don't really care. You know, they'll, they'll be the best cheerleader ever. And that's the way it should be. But I think personally, the European tour, they're a little more stringent on, they, they'll just go up to a guy and say, you know, there's a good chance you might not play till the singles. And you know what, they might accept it a little bit better. It's a little harder for us. Although, I really wouldn't do that. We wouldn't really do that. We're going to get those guys at least out there once or twice, you know, everybody. I'm not, I'm not a big advocate about somebody playing all five matches. I think it's just so mentally draining out there, even if you win every one. Um, so, you know, three out of five is a, is a good thing. But, um, you know, if somebody's hot, you're going to keep throwing them out there. What about, you know, clearly, you know, Tiger is, you know, he was so dominant. And, um, is it a problem to find somebody to play with him just because, you know, and, and not now, of course, but, you know, in his, when he was really, really playing good, was he somewhat, would he be somewhat intimidating to um, his partner? Um, and did you need to really um, find somebody that could, you know, kind of deal with that? Uh, yes. Actually, he was a tough person to put together. I, I mean, to put with. Um, because he was, you know, the best player on the planet, which is usually a, a, it's a little bit of a head-scratcher to me because Tiger's record, you know, how many weeks or how many years he was number one and the best player on the planet, by a long shot, and his record in Ryder Cup isn't very good. Um, we, we all know that. Singles, yes, but team, no. I mean, he should be able to single-handedly beat those two guys, in my mind. But so that's why I was getting back to your first question or coach's first question about, you know, I'd tap into him a little bit more. And, and he is a lot better now here in the last five, four, five, six years about that. But be, before, I mean, even a guy like, I mean, I've had my best friend is Davis Love, and he's been paired with him. He didn't really know how to, you know, here's Davis Love, a top five player in the world, and he's like not afraid to ask Tiger, but I would. I'd tap into him, 
you know, I'd tap in and what do you think about this club? What do you think about this read? You know, blah, blah, blah. And uh, that's the hard part is meshing those guys together. But it's kind of like, I don't know, in, in the football world, um, it, it's kind of like coach uh, when, let's just say, I'm trying to think of Julio Jones, top, top receiver in the league. You know, is it hard? Let's just say, is he going to be upset if he only gets five balls thrown to him or, you know, Beckham or, or you know, um, or in any other team, their best player in the team, are they going to be upset if they don't get the ball X amount of times or at least targeted that amount of times? Maybe. Um, it's in a little different situation in golf, but it, it, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah, I would think being a coach of a Ryder Cup team would be a very, very difficult chore. Uh, you're dealing with, you know, you're dealing with a lot of guys that have been very, very successful. Uh, and I think you got to put a whole, a whole lot of insight into how you make your decisions. And, uh, you know, as a coach, at least when you're running a, a football team and Doc's running a basketball team, you got to let those guys know, I think, beforehand what your what your plans are. And uh, I think when you have that open communication, you, you get it. But, Mike, I got to tell you a quick story about the alternate shot. Uh, you know, it's my favorite game. I've, I've played it over at Muirfield. And uh, my good friend Paul Johnson and I uh, would go over every year for about, I think, seven straight years, and we'd play. And uh, I loved it because it, when I hit the ball in the gorse, I didn't have to hit it out. You know, I said, man, this is the best game. I want to – why don't we do this in America? And, you know, you're a bad shot, and I don't have to worry about the consequence. And Paul looked at me, and he had gorse coming out of his hair. Uh, under his hat, he said – Holy shit. You see what I've had to do all day? I'm never playing this game again, especially with you. Yeah, it's uh, it, it can work on your mind. I mean, even in the Ryder Cup, I remember when I was with a team over in Paris, uh, you know, we got our butts kicked. Uh, that's after winning the, the AM, the first morning matches, we we're up three to one. And after that, I, I don't even know if we won a match. It didn't seem like, but I remember uh, Phil Mickelson was playing in the afternoon alternate shot with, I'm not quite, I think with Bryson. And he, you were able to go out, even while the morning matches were going out, you could go out and practice on the holes beforehand. And I thought Phil was just trying to get his ball in the fairway, you know, for Bryson, you know, on certain holes. And to me, it was maybe a little bit of a mistake because, you know, just play your game. And I know Bryson just wants you to play your game and he'll play his game. And all of a sudden they were just trying to maybe do stuff that they weren't able to do. And, and maybe that's what switched Bryson after the Ryder Cup at Paris. Maybe he decided, you know what, I'm going to put on 40 pounds. I'm going to hit it 40 yards farther and I'm going to get it up there as far as I can and I'll figure out a way to get it. And look at his success. I mean, the, the guy's kind of changing the game a little bit in a good way. But it can, once you get over there, I, I wish everybody would just play their games. And, you know, there's a reason why they were picked and why they made the team. And it was not because Phil Mickelson was putting them on the fairway with irons. It was because he was slashing away and, and you know, putting it down there as far as he could. Well, when you did the alternate shot, did you guys – was there more strategy in, in – putting those guys together more so than letting guys go play their own ball and just playing. That's oh, really for sure. I mean, right. 
And yeah, it is because let's face it, and and you almost want to see how their guy the games. I mean, the guys' games are. You might as well put them out there in, in four ball or best ball, where you got you know two balls going at once. You know, let them play their own game. Alternate shot. You know, you hit one shot. You may, you might be doing a lot more putting than the other guy. You might be hitting. You know, you can strategize it where you know on par five, this guy's going to be hitting it off the tee. And then, you know, it might be, you know, if this guy's a better iron player, you know, let's put him on the odd holes, which is basically maybe all the uh, par threes. Um, you want somebody that's that's sharp in that department. So there's definitely a strategy involved. Um, I got to tell you a quick little story. So we're at Medina, uh, Davis Love's team, and uh, Phil Mickelson and Keegan Bradley, we've paired them together. We basically had our – pairing set almost throughout the whole week and we weren't going to diversify from it and uh so the end of thursday afternoon's pra last practice round we had a meeting with phil and you know phil phil knows everything and and he, and he uh he's gonna let you know what he what he feels and he's a pretty smart guy so anyways we asked him and they said and i was sitting right next to davis and davis goes okay phil give me a good reason why we should put you and Keegan Bradley out first in uh, alternate shot. First uh, AM first match on Friday morning. He goes, okay, here's the deal. This is Phil talking. He goes, okay. He goes, Keegan is driving the crap out of the ball. I mean, he's hitting it great off the tee. Uh, I'm hitting it fine. My iron, both our iron games are spectacular. Um, we are, whoever we play the first match, he said, we're going to have them three or four down after about 14 holes and we're going to close them out. And he said, the odd holes, let's see, the odd holes set up perfect for Keegan and the evens really set up well for me. Um, so after we get done beating them, you can, it doesn't matter who we're playing in best ball. We're, we're making so many birdies. We'll have them beat after about 15 holes. And so Davis goes, okay, you're going off first. So kind of that's exactly what happened. I mean, Keegan and Phil just played their butts off and they closed him out on the 15th hole. And then they turned right around and uh, beat the crap out of uh, Rory and somebody, Graham McDowell or somebody like that. And it was the same thing. It was a phenomenal, and I got to tell you one more story. So first, First hole is a shorter par four and a par three. And then number three is a is a little dog leg left, about 400 and short 400s. We're already one up. I'm right back in the tee, right on the tee box with all four guys. So Phil goes up to Keegan who always hit first. And for some reason he's hitting this driver like forever. So he goes to Keegan, he says, Keegan, take it right at the left edge of the green and just kill it. He says, okay. So he gets up and smashes it down the left-hand side. You know, we can't see where it finishes. And so Phil's looking, he goes, I think you're just short of the green. And you know, the other, the our opponents are rolling their eyeballs. They go, okay. And then Phil goes, he has bones, his caddy he goes, what do we got to the front edge? And you know, now they're really rolling their eyeballs. And he goes 388 or something like that. He says, okay, so he hits a good one. The other two guys, our opponents hit it down the middle. I'm in a cart, I go up there and there's no 
cart path. There's no nothing. There's the roughs are a little bit on the firm side. I go up there. Keegan's in the green side bunker, <laughs> just short of the just short of the pin high. And I look back, and they're back there 50 yards. I mean, Rory and somebody else, and they're standing there perplexed. And Keegan flips it out about three feet, and they make birdie, and they beat him like five and four. I mean, I have no idea how that ball got in the bunker, other than it went 390 yards. And that was, that was, that was something. So, But that was a great week, even though I still to this day don't have any idea how we lost on Sunday. We were four points up. Maybe you guys can answer that. Hey, I've, I've lived that in football, and I know Doc has lived it in basketball. Hey, you, and, it, and it happens every week in the NFL and in, in the NBA. You're up, and you think you got it in your hands, and it goes it, away. It just happens. Uh, and you, at the end of the day, you never really know what the, what the reason behind it is. Uh, you know, whether it's golf, whether it's basketball, whether it's football, uh, you know, there's always compelling stories about the game. And I think that's the thing that's so interesting. And for our, you know, for the people that listen to us and listen to us talk about uh, the different sports, they can connect with, uh, you know, connect with what we're talking about because it's sports is life. And that's, I think, what is the great thing about it. Mike, let me ask you something, you know, not Ryder Cup related, but just as being a PGA Tour pro, I guess in today's world, all the pros have their own team. I guess that can, can consist of, you know, what, four or five different pe people, their swing coach, their caddy, their mental coach, their whatever, you know? Um, is that the way golf is going these days? Is that it's, about, of course, the guy that's actually hitting the ball, but they're putting together teams that kind of um, work together and, how do you see that? Have you ever seen anybody um, have a, you know, have an issue where their team has really kind of let them down, or they haven't really directed their team in the right way? Well, yeah, that that's the direction. You're right, Doc. That's what it's been probably the last 10, 15 years. Um, have I seen it, or uh, you know, their so-called team um, kind of get broken up? Yeah, it happens. You know, you get you get because. You know, unfortunately, uh, you know, sometimes you got to look yourself in the mirror and say, hey, you know, I'm just not, I'm not performing. I'm not playing this way, but you can have all the help in the world you want, but you're the, you're the one holding that club and hitting it and knocking that putt in. It doesn't matter from a caddy, your manager, your nutritionist, your, like your fitness guy. Um, I'm, I know I'm missing your sports psychologist. I mean, as, have they helped a number of players? Probably, yes. Um, but, you know, I always go back to that old energy. You know, if you were good enough to qualify for the tour and if you're lucky enough to win some tournaments out there, you know, you must be doing something right. And uh, so, you know, there, but you can be overwhelmed by that. I mean, look what's happened to Jordan Spieth. You know, maybe he's on this podcast or listening to it so maybe we can help him out he's a good friend of mine I mean he's a great great kid um, it's hard for somebody that had his you know success three years ago I mean the guys won what 12 13 times and several majors at a very very young age um, he'll get it back he'll figure it out I mean people want him to fire this guy this guy and this guy I don't think that's the case it's it's 
you know, like I said, sometimes you got to go in the backwoods or in the mirror or when you're by yourself and you, you know, you got to, you got to pull your pants up and, and, um, and, and say, you know what, I got to get better myself. I got to get better. Nobody else is hitting the ball. And, um, but the one thing I've noticed though, out there on the tour is they're not afraid to change things. No matter if it's equipment. I mean, the equipment is so good. They're not afraid to change or back in the day, you had one set of clubs. You didn't get another set for whatever. Um, you were almost afraid to change putters. You were almost afraid to change drivers. Heck it, it goes on a week to week basis because people are searching for like the answer. And, um, sometimes you just got to stay in your own lane and figure out stuff on your own. Uh, I've had some of my best practices, you know, the last 15 minutes before dark on the range, before a tournament starts, something clicked and you don't have to tell anything about anybody about it. And you go out there and you bust your butt and you have a good tournament. Well, you know, I think that's an interesting concept. I think for anybody that's a coach or a leader or anybody that's in, you know, some type of role that, you know, change is certainly a positive, you know, if you're always looking to get better, you know, if you just stay the same, everybody you're competing against is always looking to do things better. I guess you saw that in the NFL some, Mike, you just couldn't maintain status quo. You always had to try to figure out how to be better. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, and in, in sports at the highest level, it's it's probably more important to be improving every day, even though it's probably incrementally, it's not as much as a, someone that's playing at a lower level. And it's such a fine line. And, uh, you know, as Mike said, sometimes you just got to look yourself in the mirror and say, hey, I got to get I got to figure this out and I got to get this done. Uh, you know, Mike, I've got a question for you. I think uh, you know, coaching as a, you know, as a sport, uh, coaching a sport like Doc has been involved in, I've been, you know, you have, you have your team. Well, it seems like in the golf world, the swing coach might be working with Rory, but he might be working with Phil at the same time. Uh, how does that, you know, how does that work? And how do those coaches decide, okay, well, I got to work with, you know, I got to work with Phil and Rory wants me to work with him at the same time. Is there some uh, type of arrangement that they, that they have? Cause it seems like it might be a little bit of conflict of interest. Yeah, that, that's a great point. And you're right. Um, you know, uh, Cloud Harmon and, and um, Butch Harmon, you know, work, work, have worked with several top players and still are. Um, but, uh, it's hard. It's, it's, it's hard when, you know, Brooks, Brooks and DJ and all these guys are at the same tournament, you know, like at Augusta, uh, for instance. I mean, it's tough. It's a balancing act. Uh, but for the most part, the guys are fine with it. The guys are fine with it. They, they, you know, they take each individual uh, as they are, you know, that's why swings are different. That's why one guy doesn't have the same swing. Um, even though back in the day, we always thought when Butch was working with Adam Scott and Tiger Woods back in the day, and we all thought that that was like the, you couldn't swing the club any better. And they almost looked identical, you know, for the people back at home. And there were several other people. There was a, a young phenom called, his name was Ty Tryon. Um, he was out for a couple of years and he worked, he, his swing, Tiger swing and Adam Scott swing very, very, very similar. But nowadays, 
every uh, each teacher um, is unique with each guy, and they have different arrangements. I guess you know. I know they're making a lot of money off of them. I know that, and they get paid very, very well. Uh, but in my mind, you know, show me somebody that can teach the short game. That's where it's at, as you know, Doc. You know, Coach. You know. I mean, if you're and that to this day, I can still wedge it and chip it and pitch it and bunker it as good as anybody. And that's that's my forte. So that's the easiest thing to teach in my mind. You don't have to worry about going on track man and this and that. But, um, you know, show, show me somebody that, that can down out of a, a trash can like your Patrick Reeds and in, in your, um, you know, back in the day, like, you know, and Phil. Phil, I mean, he does. Um, those guys, the top players are – that's one thing about Bryson that's really amazed me with the length of his the clubs, with his irons, how good his short game is. I mean, is with his technique. I mean, he's he can pitch the ball well, bunker it well, and putt, actually unbelievable. Um, he does a lot of things well, but he does it his way. Well, I think that tells it and f- f- tells us, Doc, you drive for show, and as we know, you putt for dough, right? And, hey, those three-footers, Doc, that you and I are, are, are fighting over and standing over, we need to get working with Mike and help have him help us out because it's killed me. You've beat my tail the last three times we've been out on the golf course. It's just unbelievable, Doc. Well, I need more strokes, yeah. Doc. More strokes. Yeah, you know, your memory is a little flawed, I think, you know, from the, who's winning and who's uh, buying hats. I, I don't think there's any question about that. Well. You know, Mike, so let me ask you, you know, and you've worked with a lot of young guys. Right now you're working with the ETSU golf team. And to me, so much of the, you know, a lot of the making putts and is, is confidence. How do you get these? You know, guys, I mean, did you ever, ever have a time in your career where you had kind of lost confidence in, in you know, a certain aspect of your game? And then how do you deal with that? Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. You lose your it, – it's a hard thing. You lose your confidence. I'm not saying, you know, it could be monthly. It could be, you know, daily. Hopefully it's not daily. But um, to me, the easiest way to, uh, to gain confidence is – uh, unfortunately, everybody uses their score as their, as their, you know, their, their all result. You know, if, you know, they shot 65, their confidence is high. If they shoot 70 or 71 or two, it's not as high. Or it might be over a single shot. But to me, that's why you always, the easiest way to get your confidence is to play some games with your short game. When you practice your putting, always practice long putts. I mean, anybody can get a chalk line down there. If your strokes off, okay, that's different. But for the most part, these kids' strokes are good. Um, you know, go work on something that that's going to get your confidence up by hitting putts from 15 feet to 40 feet. And you know, you might just make one of those. Don't worry about trying to two putt. What you're trying to do work on your speed and your touch, and then occasionally you're going to run those in. That's why these guys win on on the in in college golf. It's not because, uh, you know, they drive it down the middle 350 yards and hit it on the green. It's the guy that knocks in an occasional 30-footer, chips in from a not-so-good spot, holds a bunker shot. You know, when they have 
short irons in their hair wedges. They hit it in their close. You know, they make these incredible saves that keep rounds going and those keep those rounds going, keeps your confidence going. And, and that's, that's what it's, 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 it's hard because you're, you're dealing with 17 to 22 year old kids and you just try to give them little bits and pieces and, um, and, and where they can keep their confidence up. So it, it's, it's more of a mental game when it comes to confidence, but um, you know, you just got to take big, you know, see what their strong suit is and keep a hold of that and try to get your, your uh, not so strong suits a little bit better. And for the most part, it's usually the, the, the short game that gets you going and, and keeps you jumpstart. It keeps you in the game, so to speak. I mean, if, you know, it, it's uh, going to coach Smith with football. It's like, if you go into a season and you know, your defense is a top three defense, you're going to be in every stinking game. It just is. So you got to figure out to keep maintain that defense and kind of bank against them. But in the same token, um, you know, uh, keep the offense going because you know, they're, the offense is going to be out there quite often because there's going to be a lot of three and outs because of your defense. But, um, you know, it's those – I call the short game and special teams kind of the same thing. If you've got a wicked special teams, you know, punt, kicking, you know, guys on special teams, you know, recover fumbles, cause fumbles. It's just like your long – your short game. You know, chipping in, bunkering, hitting the pin – knocking in a 30-footer. Don't be afraid to make a 15-footer for par. Don't be afraid to take a little chance and hit a big old flop shot over a bunker uh, because you've practiced that shot. Don't be afraid. Afraid is not a good word to use in golf. Mike, I got to tell you, I really enjoyed the opportunity to come out and watch you guys practice. You know, I, I, I had really never seen a golf practice in a team setting. And, uh, you know, in my background as a coach, I was, I was really uh, interested to see how it, how it might be different from other sports. And it became real apparent uh, watching. There's a, there's a lot of similarities in terms of, uh, you know, coaching football or coaching basketball to coaching golf and putting the guys in, uh, you know, in situations that uh, are tough and can be mentally draining. Uh, you guys were doing some things with your short game the other day, uh, you know, and you spent two hours on the, on the short game in the, you know, I thought it was really cool how not only were they working individually, but they were competing against each other in a much shorter time period than what they would do on a, you know, on a, in a golf match, you know, a golf match is 18 holes. You guys had it set up where, you, you know, in three or four minutes, you would know the result. Or sometimes in, in, in one shot, you would know the result. So you put those guys in, in different situations. And I think that was great. And I think it really, one of the takeaways I had from that was you were helping those guys gain confidence, especially in their short game. I was really impressed with how uh, a golf practice really went because I completely had a complete different idea and, and, and envisioned it being completely different. Now, I know you guys go on the course, but I really enjoy work, watching you guys work on your skills. We, we try to make a good point of that. And, you know, 70% of our practice is our short game. Let's face it. I mean, what are you going to be more tired at after hitting multiple five irons, three woods, two irons, drivers, three woods, or, you know, walking around 
20, 30 yards, 40 yards, and just hitting little chip shots and long putts. I mean, that isn't, you know, that physically would be able to, and most of these guys are in good shape, which is fine, but, uh, you know, I'm just, we're building up their mental toughness and, and preparing them. You know, I put them in situations where they're not going to be stunned or surprised or afraid if they have a very tight lie, hard pan lie, they got to pitch it over a bunker. You know, they don't have any green to work with. I put them in those situations um, um, instead of the one right in front of the green, you know, you can hit a couple different clubs there, obviously those are the good spots, but um, I put them in situations, you know, where they're going to have a tough lie, but then they're not going to be scared to hit it while they're out there in competition. And that's all we're, we're just preparing them for that, or at least that's what I try to do And competition amongst themselves is great. And, you know, and, and I was telling them the other day, I said, everybody kind of watch each other, your teammate, you know? So if you're out there, if you're at a tournament and you're playing a practice run, if you see something that he's doing, not to the norm, you know, maybe his setup's getting a little crooked, you know, go up and say something to him. It's a, it's a team game. It's like, you know, we're all in this together, but in the same, so you basically have your other teammates back and um, at all times. And, and um, we can definitely do some overcoaching. Uh, these kids are good, but we're just trying to put them in situations where they're not going to be uh, so afraid and, and so, scared when they do get in a situation if they hit something offline you know what do I do now and and uh we're doing a lot better job of that hey Mike we're, we're kind of you know getting to the end here and you know don't want to take up too much of your time but I've got one question for you I've always wondered about you know on the PGA tour you know what is how important is it let's say you know you've played two rounds and by the time you get to the 14th hole on Friday, it's pretty evident that you're not going to make the cut, you know? What is the mindset, you know, because I think this is important for everybody. What's the mindset when you know you're not going to make the cut, you're not going to make any money, you got four holes to play, what's your mindset at that point? Or what do you think the mindset needs to be? Well, to me, you, you kind of push yourself forward and you say, okay, this, this, this week's gone. I'm not going to make the cut. I've got four holes left. I'm, you know, six or seven shots out of the cut or whatever it might be. Um, you kind of start preparing for next week. And to me, if there's something going on with your swing or your, or, you know, it, that might be a good time to try some stuff, you know, I'm going to maybe, you know, I'm going to start hitting fades the last four holes. You know, I'm, I'm just going to basically play golf left to right. Or, you know, do something like that. You might do that. And some guys, and, or you just might shut it down. I'm not saying you, you don't want to just throw in the towel, but there's always something that you can find in that four-hole stretch that might help you the next week. Um, but most importantly, you're going to have some time. You're going to have time to practice. More importantly, you're going to have time to rest. And you know, you still got to rest your, uh, you, you still got to rest your brain and your mind, and uh, and be ready to go. And most of the time, it's like, you know what? I didn't prepare good enough for this week. You know, let's face it. They all hit the ball well. Um, maybe my short game was extremely rusty. My feel and touch, for some reason, was off 
this week. So you might grind through the weekend. You might put an extra day in. You might fly to the, for the most part, they'll like either go home or, or stay there and then, you know, go to the next week. And, um, you know, especially with rookies, you know, some of the other guys have the luxury of jumping on a plane, going home for a couple of days, reset and go. But um, you, you see guys uh, figuring something out those last four or five holes. It's going to help them the next week. Okay, we'll probably um, need to shut this down. Mike, uh, Coach Smith, you've got any last question for Mike Holbert? No, Mike, I tell you, it's been very enlightening and, and for me today to talk about, you know, coaching, coaching golf. Again, I think coaching, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, golf, tennis, lacrosse, there's some tenets that run through them all. And it just reinforced it for me. And I think I hope the people that are listening – uh, that maybe aren't golf coaches will be able to take something away from this because I sure have been able to. And I appreciate you coming on with us. Yeah, you're welcome, Coach. Yeah. And uh, I've learned a lot from – I played golf with you two guys, all the listeners. I played golf with these two guys um, the other day. And believe me, their their games are way better than they, they're putting out to be. And, yeah, um, I actually picked up some stuff uh, from them. And I learned from them. And it's, it's crazy to say, but I, I actually did. And I'm not going to tell you what it is. Maybe that'll <laughs> be next time when we come on. But um, uh, I just love playing with you guys, and we got to do it more often. And I know we, we can, and we will. Yeah, thanks so much, Mike. This is really informative. And, you know, we kind of try to, you know, uh, capture a couple thoughts. And I think that last thing you said was really important. Every leader, every coach, everybody – needs to learn from everybody and everything in every situation. You can certainly do that. And I think other, you know, kind of kernel that I got from this was, you know, don't be afraid to change, you know, always strive to be better. And I think if you do those two things, you can learn from anybody and don't be afraid to change. Those are pretty important concepts for any, every leader. Um, so those are my thoughts, coach. You want to kind of finalize this? Yeah, Mike, I, I, I want to thank you very much for coming and uh, being on with us today. And I think the one point that I have taken away from this whole thing is that it doesn't really matter what sport you're playing. You need to, you need to always be striving to, to get better, and you always need to put yourself in tough situations. I know whether it's like your basketball coach putting the guy on the foul line to in front of the whole team to – you know, to have to make the one and one for the win, you know, putting, you know, and that's what I saw. And you do the same thing in football. And I think, hey, pressure on players in practice uh, makes them stronger. And I, the other thing I took away from it was it was very interesting you say how teammates should help teammates. Uh, and I think that's so important. And I think as coaches, we need to impress that on our on our athletes that hey we can help one another to get better and not only will you get better individually but we'll get better collectively yep and um, and I, I appreciate that I know we only got probably seconds but there's nothing better when we're at a golf event or team tournament um, you know playing against the best teams in the in, around the country and one of your teammates is a hole over and all of a sudden you see a, a teammate put up his hand and pump his fist like, come on, let's let's keep going. There's nothing better than that amongst the five guys. And it doesn't really matter 
what the guy did, but it's just pumping the other guy up or keeping him pumped up, and that's the most important thing. Well, thanks, Mike. Thanks, Coach Smith. Uh, you know, once again, we'll be back, you know, in a couple more days with from the locker room. So um, hopefully you know, anybody that's listening, go to our YouTube page and become a subscriber. And, um, you know, I think uh, these are great lessons to learn. So thanks again, Coach Smith, Coach Holbert. Appreciate you guys. Uh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me on. All right. Talk soon, guys. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike.